welcome to another episode of 353rd. He is Anders Brownworth. And he is Scott Barstow. We finally got it right that time. Yeah, I think we've tried that uh, like five or six times, yeah. and this may be the first time we got it right. Amazing. Yeah, and well, we did it with the first take, too. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, not bad. So it is, uh, we're coming up on Christmas. That's right. Yeah, I'm, so I'm looking I've, forward to it. It doesn't feel like Christmas. It doesn't. It, it really doesn't. doesn't. The weather here, at least in Raleigh, has been very warm. Yeah. Um, and uh, plus, I've just been so busy, I haven't even had the time to think about it. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's a lot of it. I but, bought one Christmas present so far. One. One. Hopefully, it's for your wife. I have a week. It is, actually. I'm a week and a half away, and one. One Christmas. That's, that's one it. more than I've bought. Wow, that's pretty good, man. Well, I'm going to wear out Amazon Prime, I'm telling you. Yeah, that's the only way to shop. That's right. Totally agreed. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, so we've got a, we got a lot to get to today. Yeah. And uh, but first up, I think uh, is today's announcement of Republic Wireless is back in the news today. Yes, and, it is. And they have announced that they've acquired their own country code. Yep. So you obviously work at bandwidth.com. You've kind of been on the inside of a lot of this. So um, tell Thank us a little you. bit about. Give us three minutes of what's going on with the country code thing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, so we applied for the country code. Uh, we applied for a country code, and we got the country code eight eight three five one one zero. So that that would be similar to the United States as you know their own country code is one. You know, Qatar is nine seven four. Romania is 4-0, you know, so a, a country code. And the idea is there's this country out there, and that's the Wi-Fi country. So if you're on Wi-Fi, you get a Republic wireless number in the 8835110 country code, and uh, you can, you know, basically make international calls to and from that. Uh, we have been doing for quite some time a interop where we get all the the different phone carriers across the world to transact uh, you know calls back and forth between us at this country code and and the rest of the world so uh, we've set this whole thing up and it just actually it popped not too long ago on TechCrunch and it's uh, it's been quite interesting it's certainly a, a paradigm shift I think if you uh, talk about sort of new things uh, out there on the horizon I don't think anybody else is doing this kind of thing yeah, I think it's pretty cool because it allows uh, Bandwidth.com and Republic Wireless to, you know, as they can uh, really operate completely free of, you know, the of some constraints that other that just the regular old telephone companies would have, and they that'll allow them to do interesting things like offer this same country code to. I could see them offering this to web properties and and places like that for them to have their own country code. What I'll be interested to see is. If uh, if there are companies out there that try to do some of this same thing, you know, and establish their own country code for, you know, for whatever reason, I, I can't think of a good example right now. But yeah. um, but it'll be interesting to see if anybody else sort of follows suit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, wish us luck. <laughs> Indeed. So yeah. I had a uh, switching topics to our main topic for this week is I had a I had an interesting conversation last week with. Uh, with a guy, I was traveling in Atlanta and was at a client, and we got to talking over dinner, and we started talking about history mm -hmm. and uh, the recording of history. And the guy who's he's a he's an interesting guy, very well read, and uh, but also I would characterize him as probably very conservative in terms of his view of the Constitution and 
does a lot of reading about the the founding fathers and what their intentions were for the country and how far we've you know veered from that and things like that. Yep. So anyway, we started talking about the digitization of all history. Uh-huh. And um you know whether that's pictures, text and the fact that everything is move, is is on its way to being 100% digital. Mm-hmm. And so we got into this discussion about what that means if uh, that digital content goes away. Obviously, if uh, throughout recorded history, most of it's been recorded in some form of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that writing has been passed down from generation to generation. And so he posed the question to me. He said, what happens if those in power choose to get rid of the digital history. Mm-hmm. And so what if the only, in 200 years, if the United States is not a country anymore, mm-hmm. what if those that are in power at that time choose to Delete erase the history of the United States? Yeah, so uh, this is interesting. When you first brought this topic up to me, I was thinking, what about that just happening just by like attrition of out-of-date technologies? I can imagine that uh, certainly the CDs that I uh, wrote back in 1997 when I first could write on a CD, uh, I was doing backups, how many of those still work? And right. even if they do, do I, I mean, my laptop I'm sitting here, I don't have a DVD or CD player in it. Uh, I yeah, got and do it. you even know where those CDs are? I, and, right, you well, know. I do, but I mean, you know, right, it, it, they could get lost, and so so you have you have crazy file formats, you know, back in the day, you have wacky, you know, .sgi image formats and stuff that, that you know, Photoshop almost doesn't read anymore, right? And, yep. and you've got degrading bits on, on physical media, yep. and you've got, of course, degrading bits on magnetic media. So I hadn't thought about a country sort of deciding that we should, you know, delete it all as a, you know, some kind of preemptive move, but... He, but you know, certainly some kind of like an EMP pulse from a uh, yeah. you know launch of a, a nuclear weapon or explosion of a nuclear weapon could erase just volume. There's knock us right back to the Stone Age in terms of technology, in terms of just you know what's available. Uh, you think it'll probably delete my SSD? I have an SSD on my laptop. Probably delete that. Probably delete the hard drive. Uh, that yep. I've got as backup. Even, you know, I've got a RAID. Who cares? That's all gone, right? doesn't matter. The yep. only thing that wouldn't delete really is uh, CDs and DVDs that I've written. But, you know, yeah, how but long are you going to care, right? Right, and how long those things last. And, and, and in 100 years, are you going to still be building CD players capable of reading that media? And is that, I don't know, maybe. But I, think is, it's, I think it's unlikely. It's unlikely, okay, but but maybe, I mean, the other idea that I had was, well, what about a scanner? Like, couldn't you just slap a CD on a scanner that has really, 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 really good resolution and effectively grab the information that's on the CD? Maybe. You know, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, you can know. certainly do that. It's, it's it's the equivalent of being able to do that with ne- photo negatives today almost. It's, that's yeah. the kind of the analog. But the yeah. the the... It was an interesting discussion, yeah. and it's something I hadn't really thought about because he said, he said, if I had uh, all the money in the world, he said, what I would do is start, he said, I would have my own stone tablet 
factory and mm-hmm. I would start carving things into stone. Carving bits into stone, you mean? Just carving words into stone. Yeah, so about here's the history of the United States and et cetera, uh-huh. et cetera. And so he said, and it was in the context of with the amount of turmoil that's going on, and in particular the you know the state of the U.S. and all of that sort of thing. It, it was the it came up in the context of you know there's no guarantee that we're going to be around and and the and it it is the United States is unique in history in terms of the freedom of the society mm-hmm. and uh, the prosperity that we've been able to uh, generate. He said it's never been done in the history of the of recorded civilization that there's been this many people with this amount of freedom and this amount of prosperity he said mm-hmm. it's it's traditionally been you have the rich that have and the poor that don't yeah and he said so what if this idea that our you know that our forefathers had what if that idea is not around to be read about so i look at it in terms of consumability because uh, you know, this may sound abstract, but I, you know, I got married uh, a year and a half ago, and the pictures were taken digitally, although we got a physical book. Right. Now, those files may or may not last. I mean, presumably 100 years from now, well, you probably wouldn't care in 100 years, but 100 years from now, you'll still be able to read JPEG, right, if you can get it off of media. But the book is going to be so much better. And you talk about carving things into stone. Well, you know, of course, the Egyptians did this. Many people did this, but the Egyptian civilization did this. And we forgot the language. Right. So, so we inferred it by, you know, with the help of the Rosetta Stone and a number of other things. But the Rosetta Stone is probably the most public a thing there which had basically a uh, marriage declaration, I think it was, written in a number of different languages and we were able to figure out what the, uh, what the glyphs meant and we were able to read the, uh, you know, the old language. So it's really one of consumability. I mean, you, you, you got to have two things. You got to have the bits and you got to have the understanding of how to decipher them. So I sure. think a really interesting sort of science experiment that went on that did this is the Voyager spacecraft that have been sent out of our solar system. They've got a number of things on them, but, but uh, there was a really interesting research project that went on to try to teach an intelligent civilization the meaning of the bits and then a pile of bits. You know, in this case, they weren't bits. They were, they were you know, an analog recording and, and a an explanation of where we are in the solar system. How do you, or where we are in the galaxy? How do you do that? Right. You know, how do you? How do you? You know. Uh, That's you interesting. So if, they, if these things land on some yeah. planet, some other or galaxy, or just gets found in the, you know, in in a million years, gets found out in the middle of uh, space, just kind of buzzing along, cruising along. You're like, what? Yep. What is this? And you look at it, and it's this thing with a long dead batteries, and you know, horribly out of shape, and from a long time ago. And on the side of it, it's got a gold record and then a plaque that tells you effectively how fast this record needs to turn and the, the, you know, kind, the kind of information that's in it. It's oral information. It's audio information. Uh, and, and it's also got pictures of, of what we look like 
and mm-hmm. a way to triangulate where we're from. So it's very interesting because, y- you know, and there's, there's also a very sort of simple reasoning. It uses basic logic to say, you know, one plus one equals two, and, and this is how we describe one and one, and this is how we describe a two, so you can infer what they mean. And it, it's, it's effectively math as the universal language. Sure. And then it describes playback and understand the media. Um, it, it's a very significant jump, but I think that kind of thing would have to, you know, not only do we need to store the bits in, in our digital, uh, you know, existence here, but, but because it isn't quite as consumable as it would be if it were photos printed out in a, uh, you know, like a, a wedding album, sure. uh, we, we have to also describe in a universal way the way to decode these bits, how you decode JPEG is relatively well known because the JPEG, you know, it's just it's basically public domain software. Uh, but if you don't have that knowledge, it's just a bunch of crypto, you know, cryptographically sound bits, and you have no idea what it means. Yeah. Um, so, so that's it's sort of a double problem. You not only do you have to save the data, you have to save how to how to turn read it. the data right, how to turn it back into something. And I got to tell you, there's a reason. TV exists, and there's reason, you know, there, there are books and pictures on the wall. It's just the consumability is just so bottom of the barrel. You could take somebody from the, the 1200s and move them to today, and they could consume TV. They could consume a book. They could consume a, a picture on the wall. Uh, yeah. But they couldn't consume bits. Yeah, they couldn't, sit in, they couldn't sit in front of your computer and do things to it. They would have no idea what that was. Right. But they would under you know the book is unchanged right. in you know thousands of years in terms of a format and so the thing I got to thinking about was and I don't know if you do this but I I pretty much buy all of my books digital now yep and I've got a, you know various Kindle readers on various devices I don't actually own a Kindle but I own uh, but I'm a you know huge customer of Amazon for books and things yeah. like that and it, it it got me to thinking is is the purchase of books actually important not because it's how you consume it today uh-huh. but is it important for passing that you know there's been uh, generations and generations of libraries have been passed down you know through families and you know I know that right now my parents are cleaning out their house um, in upstate New York and so when the, when we were up there at Thanksgiving I took some of my favorite books yeah and I brought them home with me uh-huh Yep. And and so and this has gone on forever. I'm not unique. And you know, and so it got me to thinking, is that practice um actually valuable not for uh not for you know just the sake of reading a book today because I like the convenience of being able to read my book anywhere, mm-hmm. but is it important to have things like books and records and uh you know sheet music and you know all these different things just be just for preservation of a way of life. Yeah, so so this is interesting. I, a few number of years ago, quite a number of years ago actually, I swore off DVDs. I, I ripped them and then I threw them out. So, But I did keep a few of them. Maybe I like the jacket content or it's just kind of quaint to have a DVD, you know? Right. Um, and, and certainly books that, that I got signed or books that, that were physically given to me by somebody I respected. These things I'll, I'll always keep. Uh, so there is some measure to that. I, I, 
maybe half of the books that I read on my Kindle, I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to keep them. Maybe I don't even want to admit that I bought them right. <laughs> or owned yeah, them. Yeah, I would say mine. It's probably eighty percent of them. I don't, <laughs> yeah. ca- I don't care to ever read them again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not because they're good or bad. It's yeah. just, oh, I've gotten what I felt like I needed to get out of it, and I yeah. probably won't ever touch it again. But there are bo- other books that I go back to over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and so absolutely. I don't. It's 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 been for me. It was interesting to just sit there and contemplate because it, it when you get in the mode of just well everything's going to be digital and that's the way it is. Yeah, um, you can tend to sort of look past things like this and say, oh, well, that doesn't matter because it'll always be there. Yeah, uh-huh. but it doesn't take much, as you said. It does, it wouldn't take much for us to all be back, you know, plowing ground. Yeah, sure. Go right back to the Stone Age. That's yeah, true. It really wouldn't. I mean, it takes uh, a nuclear war and whoever survives that, it's, you know, now you're in a rebuilding period of, you know, yeah, hundreds, of, hundreds of yeah. years uh-huh. yeah. uh, to get back even close to where we are now. And that's yeah. assuming that the society that emerges out of that values freedom and, you know, and values the same things that we value today that, you know, seem to win the day in terms of, um, you know, dominance in the world markets and things like that. Yeah. But there's no guarantee that the next, you know, that 50 years from now, any, anybody's going to care anything about that. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so it's, it's a, it's pretty interesting. It, it really got, it started me thinking about all of this. And so I thought it'd be a worthwhile topic to. Yeah, absolutely. To so let me about. ask you, uh, let me ask you uh, sort of along the same lines about uh, what you do for backup. Do you, so what, uh, what's yeah. your process? Yeah. So what I do is I've got, and we talked about this a little bit on one of our shows, and you have a much more elaborate uh, setup yeah. than I do. But <clears throat> so I, I do local backups probably once a week for all of the machines that I care about. I've, yeah. So for my Mac, I've got Time Machine. I've got a drive that I take out. Reminds me, I need uh, to do Time Machine on my, my Mac. <laughs> um, and then I've also got uh, I use Mosey offline backup for you know it cost me ten bucks a month, and I've got it's uh-huh. basically unlimited storage. Really. And so, how do they store those bits? Is that on magnetic disks spinning? Can you always be- get to it? Yeah, so you can get to it from any I, – all I have to do is log in with a web browser, okay. and I can get to any of my data. Got it. Uh, and then I can sync it between different computers if I want to. But uh-huh. I can I can back up – I think it's – for my account, it's up to five computers or something like that. Okay. And so what I do is I put everything that I care about into one or two folders. Yeah. On my Mac, and then those get backed up every night. Okay. <laughs> uh, the changes go up every night, or when I, you know, if my Mac's closed for the night, then they go up when I get on in the morning or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got all of my photos, all of you know anything that I've that I feel like you know I would just be crushed if I lost. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly anything that's important in terms of business or things like that, all goes into a couple of fol- folders on my computer, and all of those go up there. And then I also use things like. Um, you know, Dropbox and things like that, just to move files around. Uh-huh. But primarily, it's for me. It's I've got uh, you know my removable um, hard drives and uh, for uh, for Time Machine and things like that. And then I use Mosey for for online backup. Okay, so what I'm gathering from this is it's all magnetic. Yep. Right. So. Here's an idea. So I so I'm I'm pretty similar. Most of most of my backup is magnetic, although I have some elaborate, you know, write it down to DVD, uh, this antiquated way uh, thing, and distribute it, you know, physically distantly. So uh, so I have my files, but but it's a slow process. Of anything physical is. Here's right. a new idea that I was kind of toying around with. Uh, there are a number of companies that will print a 
very on a on a you know a uh, piece of media that is very uh, the is very long lived. Okay, uh, they will print uh, pictures. Usually, you know, I've got this picture I'm looking at right now. I, I took this picture of the uh, Jefferson Memorial when I was flying over in a helicopter, mm-hmm. and uh, I've got you know I got it printed out. It's up on the wall, and it's uh, it's printed out nice and big, and it's it's high quality. And apparently, it lasts for like 150 years, even you know even in the light. Uh, it'll, right. it'll, it'll stay viable for a long time and probably a lot more than that. If you, if you, you know, uh, if you cover it up and keep it in a dark kind of dry place. Uh, right. so I was thinking of writing out the bits into a picture file, printing the picture file so that it could be scanned and turned back into a file on the computer. Interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, because it wouldn't really be that much. And i got to say that, you know, there's actually quite some density to the way these guys can print these pictures out in, right. in media that lasts in hundreds of years, not in tens. Because yeah, and it's, been, and it's been proven to last. It has, yeah. And, and, so, they've, got, and they've got processes around it. I know, right. so I've got something similar for my, we had when my kids were little, we did this as they grew up. Uh, their first year of life, we t- we had a picture taken at three months, six months, twelve, uh, nine months, and twelve, months. and then yeah. they all go into this one frame, uh-huh. and so and then that frame is sealed. It's like gas sealed. Oh, really? And okay. so it is. I forget the the yeah. longevity on this picture, but it's it. W- I mean, it'll be around if I if you if know it doesn't get broken. If, yeah, or yeah. somebody doesn't you know burn it, it'll be yeah. around three hundred years from now. Yeah, easily. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, but things like that are those have stood the test of time. Mm. So your idea is interesting. Well, see, so for pictures, you what you did is the right way to do it. There's you're never going to reach the density that that you would for data in a picture. Then you would just print the picture out on a on a really good media. Um, right. And also the consumability is far better than slapping a you know a, a, you know a thing that looks like white noise onto a scanner. Scanning it in, kind of lining it up correctly, and then turning it back into a digital file. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely the way to go for pictures. But for music, for text documents, for source code, for everything else that I've got, I think the, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna play around with it. I'm pretty sure people have you know probably built systems for this, and there's probably software. I haven't looked into it at all. Uh, if anybody listening has any info on this, please leave a a comment because I'd I'd love to uh, I'd love to sort of get into this and investigate. But for things like you know uh, maybe even home movies, I would I would say even yeah, home movies absolutely. I would pop yep. on this. Um, it would be really cool to have a book that if you open it up, it just looks like white noise and there are just tiny bits everywhere, right? Kind of yep. organized, maybe similar to a QR code or some. There'd be some bit checking that can be done. Uh, yeah. and, and sort of auto-orientation uh, so that you could even take a picture of it from across a room and decode it and figure out what it is. Um, the yeah, that'd be really interesting. You just have this kind of sheet of black and white. Yep, right. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah, depending on how long the color lasts, maybe you can use color uh, to, to add a layer of uh, additional data to it, but who knows, right? right. Uh, clearly, black and white is, is the easy one. That's the first one. And yeah. you can probably print it out on a bubble jet printer just to test it and get it going. So I might try that. It might be a cool little project. Yeah. Um, but Interesting it's, stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's a, like I said, it's something I hadn't really – you don't really think about it when you're kind of – it's like, well, this stuff, of course, of course, you know, I'll be able to read a book digitally 50 years from now. But yeah. what, about what if 500? you can't? Yeah. Well, what if you can't? Yeah. Well, what if you can't? Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what do you do to what do you do to make sure that you preserve the things that are important? Yeah, um, and it's not just your own personal things. It's you know, it's the societal, sure. you know, things All that of our document. Yeah, yeah, the things that mattered about the United States and why yeah, and, it's important and, in history and everything we've learned in science and and right. like all of this stuff is. If you have civilizations that last for any appreciable amount of time, you you get brilliant minds that come up with great stuff. Why have to reinvent the wheel? You know, yep. we, like you know, after the, the the Byzantines kind of kept the light of knowledge burning all the way through the Dark Ages, it's no coincidence that when Byzantium fell and all the monks kind of headed northwest with all of these documents, all of these books, all of the stuff from antiquity and all the stories that the Renaissance kicked off and, and just ignited. I mean, right. gra- granted, Europe was ready for it, but they're, they're, they, it was fueled primarily by all these civilizations that had gone on for such a long, th- long time and, and learned all these things so that, so that you could you know, make leaps and bounds right out of the Dark Ages and right into you know, basically the modern West. In a a blindingly short amount of time, it's all it all has to do with uh, the 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 firewood that was kind of laid at their feet uh, of all of these learning from from you know older cultures. So I mean, I'm even thinking of like you know the genome that gets sequenced and and yeah, absolutely all of that, all of that That, sort of thing. I mean, after spending uh, so much time, yeah. If you think about what you were talking about, if you think about the state of Europe. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was what I was talking about before. They, I mean, it was everybody was a peasant, you know, and everybody. It was just it was anything you could do to survive. Yeah. And and then this radical transformation happens, um, and the world hasn't been the same since. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so Western and it, civilization was born out of the yeah. knowledge that, uh, as you said, that they brought with them, yeah. and and so. You know, it makes you it makes you stop and think. Okay, if you know, if the U.S. were to cease to exist, what uh, what would we want somebody picking up a book about the United States three hundred years from now? Yeah. What would we want them to know about it? And what was great about it? And what did we do wrong? And what yeah. did we you know? What are all the things that we learned about human nature that um, that we were able to legislate and and yeah. control correctly in order to facilitate this kind of this civilization that we have and 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 where would we put it to preserve it yeah and 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 how you know how would we preserve it like what how do we leave a rosetta stone there yeah you don't think about that you know it's like yeah everybody knows how to how to decode jpeg right yeah Yeah, everybody of course english will be around in five years exactly yeah Yeah. well who knows right yeah 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 interesting stuff good Good stuff. stuff Good stuff. Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, we've been getting, uh, I think I told you, Anders, this week that we had uh, just out of the blue, we've had a couple of people um, talking about the show and mentioning it. And so we really appreciate the people that are listening. Yes, thank you. Uh, check us out online at 353rd.com. We're on Twitter at, at 353rd. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And thanks for listening. <laughs>